Into our hearts, into our hearts. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. That is always my prayer as I approach the preaching of God's Word. My name is Al Brady, and I want to welcome you to this service tonight. Thank you for joining us, and I hope at future times you will feel free to invite your friends to join with you. Our scripture lesson tonight comes from two places. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 13, and then it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But I'm reading from the Common English Bible. Hear the word, please. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And then from 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be sure of the fact that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all went through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from a spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. However, God was unhappy with most of them and they were struck down in the wilderness. These things were examples for us so we won't crave evil things like they did. Don't worship false gods like some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they got up to play. Let's not practice sexual immorality like some of them did and 23,000 died in one day. Let's not test Christ like some of them did and were killed by the snakes. Let's not grumble like some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as an example and were written as a warning for us to whom the end of time has come. So those who think they are standing need to watch out or else they may fall. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for people. But God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. In the prayer that he taught us, Jesus taught us to pray three petitions for ourselves. One is to pray for the present. Give us this day our daily bread. Another is to pray for the past and the present. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the third petition was to pray for the future. As for bread and forgiveness, we all understand we need to pray for that and we agree fully with Jesus. But on the other hand, there's much disagreement as to what we need to pray for in the future. The Methodist Bishop Richard Wilkie reminds us, very frankly, most of us fear illness more than we fear sin. Most of us struggle to avoid death than to avoid hell. Every week, special prayer requests pour into churches. Seth is 47 years of age and he's in the cancer unit of a university hospital. Ms. Blackman has serious surgery coming up. Little Bill has a brain tumor that's being operated on today. These prayers are holy. We lift them up to God and God acts. Love and faith are activated and healing power is released. But we don't hear this kind of prayer too often. 
here's a man that's going out of town for a week. And he says to his pastor, I hope you'll pray for me as I go out of town. He said, I hope you'll pray that I don't cheat on my expense account. I hope you'll pray that I don't do something bad in a business deal that will hurt somebody else. I hope you pray that I won't take up a bottle and get lonely and become unfaithful to my spouse. Nobody ever prays these prayers. So you see, we are much more concerned about our physical needs than we are our spiritual needs. But when our Lord Jesus told us to pray about the future, he only had one thing that he mentioned. He said, we do not want to fall to temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our one fear is that we would fall into temptation. Let's define temptation for a minute. That's very important. A grocer leaned over the counter and saw a little boy near an apple barrel, and he said, Son, are you trying to steal one of those apples? The little boy said, Oh, no, sir, I'm trying not to. Let's think and define what temptation is. For many Americans, the word tempt has to do with an inducement to evil. Let's go back to the third chapter of Genesis. The serpent is talking to Eve. The serpent says, Did God tell you that you couldn't eat of any tree of the garden? And Eve says, Yes. He said, We could eat of all the trees except the one in the middle. He said, If we ate of that tree, we were going to die. The serpent looked at it and said, That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Go ahead and eat of that tree. If you do, you're going to know more. You're going to have a better and freer life than you've ever had before if you simply do that. From a point of view of our own struggle and being induced to sin, we are much like the Apostle Paul. He said, I do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do what I do. All of us recognize that, and all of us recognize the fact that we have the ability to see that, but sometimes the inability to do anything about it. So we are told by Jesus to pray for deliverance from falling into temptation. But then there's also another kind of temptation we find in the Bible, and that word means test, test. In this case, temptation is viewed as a proving or a testing. Here, temptation is not so much an inducement to evil as it is a testing to see how we are living our lives. In the Old Testament, we read of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was put under the test to see if he would be obedient to God in offering his son Isaac. Of course, he passed the test. The thing we need to realize is that this is right in line with what temptation is. One of the great truths of temptation is it's not there to make us fall, it's there to make us stronger and to make us better men and women. And this is very much in line with the way all of life is. Testing is a part of life. Don't we test wood and steel and stone to see what they can hold? Aren't our airplanes tested to be sure they can withstand flying and so forth and to detect the weaknesses in those planes? We test ourselves in reading and writing and running, and nobody says that's evil. From what we know of the nature of God, don't we know that testing is simply proving that we are trustworthy and will be obedient to God and his purposes? An elderly man took a younger man and said, I want you to go with me up into the woods, and we're going to cut some hickory trees to make axe handles. As soon as they got into the lower part of the valley, this young man saw one of these hickory trees and said, well, let's cut that one down. 
it'll make a good axe handle. The older man said, no, that tree has been protected here in the valley. Let's go up on the mountains where those trees have been rocked to and fro by the wind. And while these trees have been tested by the tempest and they have proved strong, those will make the best axe handles. That's the way it is with our temptation. It's not yielding to temptation that's important. It's simply facing temptation and remaining strong in the face of that temptation. So with this understanding of temptation, both as the inducement to evil and also as a testing, we are now ready to take a look at this verse, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First of all, we are not morally secure. We are not morally secure. Temptation is a tough thing for all of us. Let me tell you, we want to be God's servants on the one hand, and yet we have human needs on the other. Human needs of attention, affection, of satisfaction, human needs of recognition and comfort. The great English preacher William Sankster told the story about two men who were going up on the rocks above this waterfall. As they were walking along, all of a sudden the older one said to the young man, Do be careful. Watch out for the slime on the slippery rocks. The young man said, Oh, it's as safe as anything. I couldn't possibly fall here. Dr. Sankster said he remembered the exact spot where they picked up that young man's mangled body after he had fallen. Temptation comes to all of us all the time. Wherever there is a human being, there is temptation. Let's think about our own, in the Methodist Church, John Wesley. John Wesley was rather shocked and surprised that after his heartwarming experience on May 24, 1738, his very warming experience with God, that he was still tempted. Yet he wrote this in his diary. May 24th, listen to what he said. This was the same day that he had that experience. May 24th. After my return home, I was much buffeted with temptations, but cried out, and they fled away. They returned again and again. And then May 26th, he wrote, My soul continued in peace, but yet in heaviness because of manifold temptations. Not a day will pass, not even an hour, when we won't be tempted to test ourselves as Christians. This temptation may come from a thought in the mind. It may come from the appeal of a sign. It may come from a friend's suggestion. It may come from a seduction. It may come from any, any experience. The Apostle Paul gives us warning. So if you think you're standing, watch out that you do not fall. Watch out that you do not fall. I remember Peter said to Jesus, he said, though they all fall away from you, I will not fall away from you. Jesus said to him, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. He said, though I die with you, I will never deny you. And yet that's exactly what he did. We are not morally secure. We need to keep that in our minds. And then secondly, we are to remain vigilant spiritually prepared. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is our prayer, that by the power of the Heavenly Father, we may not flirt nor fall to temptation. There was a man who wanted to hire a cab driver, and so at successive times he interviewed three people. He said to the first driver, how close will you drive to the precipitous? He said, within a foot. He asked the second cab driver, how close will you drive to the precipice? He said, within six inches. He said to the third one, what about you? He said, I'll stay as far away from it as possible. Needed to say the third man got the job. 
What are one of the great characteristics of generals? General Wellington was asked. He replied to know when to retreat and be strong enough to do it. That's the way it is with Christians. We need to know when to retreat and to be strong enough to do it, to turn our backs and to walk away. The Apostle Paul gave us several temptations that we face, and he told us something of what we might do about them. The first temptation is the temptation of worshiping the golden calf. Anything that takes first place over God in our lives is a golden calf. Ask the average church person, what's more important to you, success or being devoted to God? All of them will answer being devoted to God. And yet, if you look at their lives, you won't be sure. Because where do their energy and their time and their effort go? Once we see that, then we'll know what people are loyal to. And then there is the temptation of immorality. There was a well-known minister who said when he was in the seminary, the professor said to the class, he said, 50% of the world's problems are caused by violation of this commandment of adultery. He said he thought that was too great a percentage, and the other students did too. And yet he said after he'd been in the ministry for 20 years, he realized the truth of that. And then there's the temptation to murmuring. If only friends and family members would realize something. It takes a spoonful of affirmation to overcome a whole truckload of criticism. And then there's the temptation of presuming on God. Some people say, well, you know, I know that's a sin, but I'm going to do it anyway. God will forgive me. Well, we need to keep in mind that no place does the Bible speak of cheap grace. God does not care about cheap grace. He wants us to be faithful disciples. And then thirdly, there's one other thing here, and that is that God will provide the way of escape. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil is so profound that we cannot overcome it. We cannot deliver ourselves from it. But there is a power greater than evil's power in the world, and that is the power of God. And God has promised to deliver us. In 1 John, it says that the power in you is greater than the power in the world. John is talking about the power of God as being greater than the power of Satan. Though we are not ever allowed to escape temptation, we are told how we can get by through our temptation. Listen to what Paul says in this 13th verse again. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for people, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptation, God will also supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. You'll be able to endure it. Do you know Robert Osmond, who was a former pastor of Atlanta's First Methodist Church, he listed five questions we ought to ask ourselves whenever we're confronted with temptation. Number one, if I engage in this activity, will it downgrade human personality? Two, where will it lead me? Every deed leads somewhere. Three, will my engaging in this activity cause another to stumble? We do not live unto ourselves. Four, will I be willing to permit those I love most to enter this activity? What may be bad for them is also bad for us. And finally, if I yield to this temptation, will it meet the standard of God's will for my life? Jesus lived by the rule, not my will, but thine be done. We are to remain vigilant. And then, as I said, God will provide us the means of escape. Now, there are four ways that we can escape our temptation that I'm aware of at the moment. First, 
courage. God gives us the courage to overcome our temptations. You know, there was a young boy who was going to have a date with a girl, and he knew that this girl was rather free with her affections, and he knew that things could end up in an unwanted pregnancy. So he prayed this prayer, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The idea came to double date. So he caused a friend, he called this friend, and they double dated together and saved themselves from a lot of heartache. And then another way we deal with temptation is just common sense. Someone said, I asked God for advice, but no advice came. So I just used my common sense. Well, where did this common sense come from? It came from God. Thomas Akempis said that the only place to face temptation and beat it is at the point of recognition. If we try to wrestle with it, we're going to lose every time. I used to tell young girls, when you get in the back seat of an automobile with a boy, you need to know at the start how far you're willing to go. Because if you don't, you're going to go further than you want. So we have to come up with preconceived understandings of how we're going to deal with temptation. And then temptation also is overcome through prayer. This is the battleground of where temptation is fought out and won at the point of prayer. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. There was silence. All of a sudden he prayed, Oh God, let this cup pass from me. If that's all he had prayed, he would have said, Build a detour around this temptation. But he didn't stop there. He went on and said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That is the answer to it all. Our prayer should be, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And keep me faithful. And then one other way that we overcome our temptation, and that is by commitment to Jesus Christ. Certainly, Martin Luther understood this because he wrote his, his mighty hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and he testified to it. Listen to the words of that hymn. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. Lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. What is that word? It is Jesus Christ. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for giving us insight as to how we should pray. Help us to be faithful in our prayers, O God, to remember to pray broadly, to pray with admiration and confession and repentance and intercession and petition and thanksgiving. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for all things. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me in this service tonight. I trust that you'll tell your friends we're on and encourage them to join us. You have a great evening. Good night.
Thank you for listening to Dr. Hal Brady, whose television broadcast is seen weekly in Atlanta on the Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters Network. Dr. Brady's sermons are also available online, and ministry updates are posted on Facebook. With your help, we are able to share the gospel online and on the air, so please consider a donation to Hal Brady Ministries. Donations can be mailed to Hal Brady Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 1367, Decatur, Georgia, 30031 or you can give securely online at HalBradyMinistries.com. We are grateful for your prayers and support and hope you'll continue to partner with us. If you have any prayer requests, please be in touch. Thank you.